0: Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher. And you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack, go. What the hell's going
1: on out here? Everybody's driving out there. Nobody's
0: touching. Keep driving, Everybody.
2: gonna get there
1: 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage Welcome to episode 98 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lowell, Peter Jones, Todd Widener in the house today. Fresh off of our weekend in London and in the UK. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at RM Management. Thanks to Dwight at DDG And thanks to Dan and the friends at Bob Anderson Builders. You can find us, of course, on Twitter at AVGCheese. And you can find us at www.avgcheese.com. Peter, it's good to see you. Let's talk episode
0: 98. Who is it today? It's good to see you, too. It's been a long time.
1: Yeah, since yesterday. Um,
0: (laughs) 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 Well, you know, the Packers have got some great numbers, you know, And you look at some of the numbers, and immediately three or four players spring to mind like 87. You got Willie Davis and Jordy Nelson and Robert Brooks, and the same with 86, you know, Boyd Dowler and Antonio Freeman and player after player after player. Number 98, not so much. Not, (laughs) Not really one of those numbers. In fact, it was quite a struggle to come up with who should be our number 98. After a lot of thought around Billy Lyon, I decided Gabe Wilkins is the man. And I, picked on Gabe because he did actually win a Super Bowl with the Pack in 1996. So he was a defensive lineman, defensive end, selected in the fourth round of the draft in 94. Kind of played most of his career as a backup, certainly in the in the first three years of his, his career, but was a part of that Super Bowl 31 winning team and then started at right defensive end after Sean Jones retired after the 96 season. And actually was Half decent that year, had five five and a half sacks, which, you know, it's okay for a guy that fourth round draft pick who wasn't expected to be a, a Pro Bowl player or anything or anything like that was was, was, was okay. Got injured in Super Bowl thirty two, got injured early in Super Bowl thirty two and was perhaps you know, with him going out and the other guys being a year older, was perhaps one of the reasons why Terrell Davis ran all over the Packers in that in that Super Bowl. Left the Packers after that year and went on to the 49ers. Didn't contribute very much for the 49ers as a free agent and retired after the 1999 season. Four years with the Packers. I think 12, around about 12 sacks, I think, in his career. But one of those guys that we remember from that Super Bowl 31 team, as good as number 98 as the Packers have ever had. Gabe Wilkins, thank you for that.
1: Let's get on to the slices. This is a big one. I'm interested to hear what you say about this. So last night I get home and I'm watching Chiefs Raiders and the Raiders were up in that game big and then they just shit all over themselves. Devontae Adams not very happy pushes a guy going into the tunnel. I don't know, it was like the Mike guy or something. I'm yeah, he sure. was a um, he was like an NFL guy
2: works for the NFL wasn't just some like local reporter dude. Pretty classless.
1: Okay, go Pretty ahead.
0: Classless. He might face a suspension over it. So he might. Packers fans, we have to be really careful of not coming across as being bitter, uh, bitter on on a guy that was a good citizen in Green Bay now being bitter because he's no longer a Packer.
1: I have thoughts on this whole thing. First of all, what the fuck is that that guy doing? What is he doing there? Because his job is not to be in the tunnel As the game is over, what do you expect is going to happen in that moment? The Raiders just pissed on their leg and Devontae Adams is pissed. I'm with you on the you should not put your hands on a guy, especially a guy who had nothing to do with the outcome of the game. Quote unquote, innocent bystander, right? Like he had nothing to do with the outcome of the game. And not that it should matter anyway, but he had nothing to do with the game. But you're standing in the fucking tunnel after a loss. As the hothead of the average cheese, I will just tell you that if that guy was in my way and we just lost a game, I likely would also push that guy. Now, right or wrong, it's wrong. I'll just say that. I admit to that, that I'd be wrong. And I would apologize after. But in that moment, get the fuck out of the way. There's no reason for you to be there. He will get suspended. I think it'll be a game. And that's a big-ass check. I'm swearing a lot right now. That's a big check that Devontae Adams is going to have to pay if it's a one-game suspension. He's not making $2 an hour. Again, not defending Devontae Adams, just thinking. The guy called a private ambulance and immediately pressed charges. Yeah, that's... Dude, you're not fucking hurt, you fucking clown. You got pushed over. It's not like you got hit by a truck or something. A man pushed you and you fell down. You know, he's setting it up for a lawsuit. That dude is immediately going to settle oh, yeah. out of court with Devonte Adams. So fuck that guy.
2: To be totally honest, I think that the guy just was not paying attention and it was circumstantial that and it just so happened at that very moment. He was walking. He wasn't standing there. He was trying to get to the other side of the tunnel with his equipment I think he just wasn't paying any attention I think he was carrying stuff and walking across at that very moment so I don't think he intended to be there or was for whatever reason impeding his way I think it was just like he wasn't paying any attention
1: and get the fuck out of the way
2: well he didn't he didn't know to get out of the way he didn't even see him it's not like he was looking at Adams like oh I better just keep on walking He had his head down carrying his equipment.
1: He was walking across at the very same moment. Did he? Look at the video. That's why I'm asking you. That's not a judgment. Panthers fired their coach in season, Matt Rule, former Baylor coach. They fired their head coach, Matt Rule, and their defensive coordinator today after a one-and-four start. A rumor is they're going to, like, fire sale the entire team. Peter, you put in the notes, DJ Moore. Todd, any desire to have DJ Moore? For the Packers? Yes. Putting him on the Packer roster. Didn't he play in Tennessee too? No. No? It's not a solution for for us. Okay. So no no desire to It's OBJ or nothing.
0: I would take him if you could get him at a decent price. Uh, This is a guy that's had three 1,000-yard receiving seasons, and this is just his fifth season in the league. I'd give up a third-round pick for him. Okay. So you
1: are interested in DJ Moore at that price.
0: Yeah, I am. Yeah. You'd be looking at that guy as not just a one-year deal. You'd be looking at, yes, he's going to give you immediate help, but you're looking at that guy as being with the team for another four or five years. And that's why I think if you can get that guy for a for a third-round pick, this guy was a first-round draft pick, and and he has delivered. He's delivered three 1,000-yard seasons in his four full seasons in the league. For me, he's worth that third-round pick.
1: And it's not like you had Aaron Rodgers throwing you to football. Cam Newton, yep. who else? In this year's Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Sam Donald. Sam Darnold, bunch of garbage throwing you the football. If you can go for a thousand yards with those two clowns throwing you the football, you're doing okay. In any of those scenarios,
2: if we do pull any type of free agent veteran during the season, does Amari Rogers go to the practice squad? I mean.
1: (laughs) Is that a rhetorical question? (laughs) Well, someone
2: someone has to move.
1: You can fucking cut that fool as far as I'm concerned. Mario Rogers can be cut. I'll talk about that later. But if you think the Packers are going to make an effort to win a Super Bowl, they're not doing it with the guys they have on the roster, that wide receiver. That is my
0: conclusion after watching this game last weekend. They can't. So let's say there's a team that wants a wide receiver. Let's say it's the Packers. There's nobody else available. Therefore, therefore, the value of that player goes up. So they're more likely to get more for him now than perhaps that they would in the offseason. I guess that would be the thinking. I don't know whether that's true, but that would be the line of thinking, I suspect, from the Panthers. Right Let's move on to our weekend.
1: The average <laughs> cheese invades London. We did. I like the French, or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who, the Germans or something. <laughs> Except we didn't cause a lot of damage when we were there. In fact, we spent lots of money on beer when we were there. At least the one day, or I did.
2: There's a few window clings and stickers
0: up.
1: Yes, someone vandalized a lot of places in London,
0: particularly
1: establishments that I sell think,
0: beer. Yeah, I think what happened was you left those stickers on a table, and somebody else picked those up long after we'd gone.
1: I believe that would be the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't have been us. That's how it happened. So Packer fans, you now Peter, you've been clearly because you live there, you've been there throughout the years of other teams coming. We already know that the Packer fans that were there were a larger percentage than any other team that had been there prior. Who would be close, do you think?
0: Who was the closest to Packer takeover of London? I've got to be really honest with you. I don't think anybody's come close in the in the experience that I've had. Never seen both inside the stadium on game day, but also just the general atmosphere around for the two or three days leading up to the game. I've never seen that vast number of fans, the percentage of fans from one team.
1: Okay. That's interesting because I thought one would be close. Maybe the Bears, Like I, I don't know. That's a big metropolitan area for the Bears And plus they've been around as long as the Packers, right? So there's a, should be a larger fan base. Cause like I get like the Jags and the Jets, they're not going to come up in mass like the
0: Packer fans have. I think that probably what was exceptional was the number of fans that traveled in from the States like you guys did. I think that was exceptional.
2: A couple of times when we were, you know, bar hopping around, I was like wow there's so many i I can't believe how many of these people traveled here and then as i kind of got around to talking to most of the people they were all like locals i was like Mm -hmm. wow i couldn't believe how many british packer fans there actually were and how knowledgeable they were common denominator i i found with um almost every one of them you know i was like i wanted to hear their story about like how did it how did you become a Packer fan kind of thing? And a lot of them all would say they liked the small town, uncommercialized atmosphere of Green Bay. They all kind of pointed to that as being sort of something they could relate to, not like a franchise like Dallas Cowboys or the Rams or, you know, big, big time cities that everybody kind of pointed to that and was like, yeah, you know, that's kind of how, kind of how we relate to it. And then I just found myself talking to you know, British fans about like Lynn Dickey in the 80s and like we're throwing around like so they're completely knowledgeable on top of it all. It was just like kind of blown away by it. At one point, I think we were just completely surrounded by British Packers fans in the uh in that open kind of like beer garden that we were in at the end. Like, holy shit, everyone around here is a British Packers fan.
1: That was just super cool. No, I shouldn't do this, but I'm gonna do it. Like it was like we met so many people. So Sean, Rob, Phil, oh man, I shouldn't be doing this because I'm gonna miss a lot of people. Dan Murphy, Mark Murphy's UK brother, Bree, and Steve. Who am I missing? We we had so many people around us. That was the greatest, by the way. I, I say, oh, my, it was awesome. Paul, I enjoyed myself so much. Paul, Nick, yes. Stike. Uh, I'm just going to say this. I apologize if I don't remember your name right now, because I had so many awesome conversations with so many people. It was incredible to talk Packers. I don't even know where to go with this. To be honest, I I had so much fun talking Packers with so many knowledgeable people was a lot of fun. I'm glad that we went to all the places we did. And to find
2: out how many of those British Packers fans, how much they travel toward. Lambeau every year I mean a lot of them like that's part of their annual schedule going to Packer games at Lambeau I mean I was like holy shit
1: right I think it was Phil that was saying so I met Ann and her husband and I can't remember his name right now I think it was Phil that was like yeah we go over to Green Bay and stay at Ann's house all the time and Ann's like a teacher from Green Bay like just randomness where people met each other and now they They're like friends through the Packers and through the traveling they've done. Jason, Stian from Norway. (laughs) I'm sorry I don't have all the names in my head, but man, thank you to all the folks we talked to. So nice. Everybody was so doggone nice to us. And Peter said that I was slurring my words, so I apologize for my bad English to anyone that, you know, (laughs) had to put up with my shit. So thank you for putting up with my shit. And I didn't notice any like weird looks, so I feel like I was doing all right. And thank you, Peter. None yeah. of this happens without you. Rhonda and and you are very gracious to have Todd and I in the home. And thanks for letting me actually sleep in a real bed, not on those <laughs> tiny ass dog beds. <laughs> I just want everyone to know that follows us, us on Twitter that those fucking beds are small. The picture that Peter took, he was really close to them things to make them look like they're like human-sized beds. No, not the case. So thanks for the bed and the food and all the things that you yeah, did. And the us. hospitality. Yeah. And the hospitality,
0: yes. Very welcome. The only worry that I have, as we were saying before the show, is I've got cases of beer left. Yeah. yeah. See you for next time. <laughs> well, because we
1: didn't plan on staying out all damn night on Saturday. And that went from, yeah, yeah we one were one out one late. late. Yeah. And I think we drank beers after. Did we drink beers after on Saturday too? At that point, I had no idea where I yeah, was. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, you did. Because you have wings Saturday. Yes. Night. Oh, you yeah. You had like 70 <laughs> <I> had a, <laughs> wings at
1: least.
0: I had two wings. <laughs> two?
1: You had like two platefuls. <laughs> like no, 40 like each. Two. <laughs> two
0: exactly. two platefuls.
1: Oh, and here's a pro tip for anyone who is like listening to us. Go out and buy the Earl Campbell's lemon pepper seasoning. Fucking spectacular. It was. Man, if I could put that on my own arm and chew it off, it was so doggone good. It was. And again, thank you, Peter, for all that. And Rhonda, too. That food was spectacular.
0: It's a miracle you don't weigh like 450 pounds the way your wife cooks. I nearly do. I nearly am one half of the offensive line by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and Todd, you and I talked about how they may run out of beer.
1: We were at uh, King's Arms, which was close to Belushi's, the one we were talking to Bree and where we first met Sean and the guys that were there. Oh, yeah. that Where you guys ate. They yeah. did run out of beer. They ran out of two different kinds. That one that we were drinking, the IPA. Yeah. So you and I are responsible for running them out of beer. Yeah. It may not have happened in the city of London, but it happened in that bar.
2: You could almost see, like, almost every place that we went, the bartenders. Like, I kind of got the sense just from, like, their body language and their and everything that they were kind of like, holy shit. (laughs) Like, (laughs) wrong with (laughs) these people. You know what I mean? Like, it was abnormal what they were experiencing. Kudos to them, though. I mean, great, great bartenders and staff everywhere.
1: How much did the Uber ride cost, Todd? I think it was like 200 pounds. The one we took back Saturday. On Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, it was close to that. I feel like I owe you some money for that because nah, that was good shit. We're good. <laughs> yeah. All right. What else? Oh, well, one of my favorite things before the game was legendary Giant Star Victor Cruz and then legendary David Carr. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I don't know how
2: those how the word legendary and David Carr were ever linked.
1: Yeah. First time that's ever been said in a sentence in the history yeah.
2: of the world. Legendary. And, more, and what was sentence. Maurice Jones Drew doing there? Like why didn't they Did he ever play for the Giants? No. No. I mean, that's what I was saying. He has no connection to either of these teams. Not that we had to pay attention to the broadcast, but it
0: was odd.
1: That was odd. Peter, Is he been like? Think back to some of the games you've watched. Yeah, UK he, games.
0: He's kind of at most of them, and 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 works as a analyst, I guess, if that's the right word for the NFL over here. So oh. he's 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 on our TV's He's reasonably off.
1: Okay. I know we just thank you a million times. We want to thank you again. That luxury box, man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> this stadium tottenham stadium was insane Beautiful. yeah that was top notch incredible yeah and all Absolutely the free food incredible. and shit was also incredible that was after stuffing my face full of about 40 <laughs> wings only about <laughs> Four hours. 12 <laughs> hours before <laughs> somehow i found room <laughs> to continue to stuff my fucking face at tottenham the had a lot of food. Great. I mean, I had about three plates and three beers. Well, probably more than three plates, but definitely three beers and multiple plates before we even took our seats.
1: Yeah. All that was awesome. And being able to go back at halftime and get more free. Right. And then being able to go, excuse me, after the game as well and hang out in there after was pretty nice too. That All that was great. I, I don't know how you were able to get those tickets or what, made you think we should get premium tickets but if that ever happens again i'm in i was
2: literally standing there for a while just kind of in shock i was like having a moment to like whoa <laughs> this is this is insane this yeah. is a- above and beyond what i was even expecting so it was quite an experience
1: and we were at like the 45 yard line for our
0: seats too
1: Peter, yeah. where were you? We were at the 45 because our two were together. He was
0: over to the right, so he must yeah, have so walked towards the I was, 50. I was smack on the 50. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. leg I have one, le- one leg either side straddling the 50-yard line. Dude. Nice. That's awesome.
1: You deserve that for all the things that you did for us to have that middle seat. That's super.
0: <laughs> well, I, tr- I tried to get three together, but it was the best we could do.
1: So I guess we'll have to talk about the game now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there, there was a game? Which was much <laughs> less great than all the other things. Well, for a half, it was pretty good. All right. all right. Let's get into it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Ty, we'll start with you. The good. Where we started on the offense. I offense, mean, I, like I, we I always do.
2: I, the only thing I can say was kind of good was the first half. It looked like the offense was somewhat in sync. They did enough to put 20 points up on the board. So nothing seemed to be very coordinated, but they, they were scoring. I, everything kind of fell apart after that. But
1: So the first half was good?
2: The first half was good. I, I, don't, I don't have any particular players that I felt really
0: stood out or anything that really went particularly well. Yeah, I thought they moved the ball well enough in the, in the first half, as Todd said, to put 20 points up without being, you never felt that they were totally smooth. They did enough. They converted third downs. Randall Cobb ended up with 99 yards receiving in that game. Like most of that probably came, I'm sure most of it came in the first half, if not all of it. Romeo Dobbs caught a couple of good passes. So I think, yeah, at the first half, the offense was, certainly good enough i mean anytime you put up 20 points on offense in a half you have to you have to say that's good enough even though you never felt that it was dominating
1: and if you average 20 points per half you score 40 you're gonna win probably 15 games in a season yeah so yeah like scoring 20 against a pretty good defensive team i didn't think they were really bad i mean shut us out in the second half so they're clearly not terribly bad By the way, Eric from Greendale, yes, I owe you beers because Eric and I had a bet that Randall Cobb would not go over 60 yards in a game the entire season, and I only got five weeks into it. I'm already owing Eric beers. Randall Cobb played well. The Packers averaged like five yards a carry. Aaron Jones was around 4.8, somewhere in there, and I think A.J. Dillon was even better than that yeah i have it in front of me now six carries for 34 yards for aj dillon only six carries but still
0: six carries for 34 yards and that running game again was very good in the first half just wasn't enough of it but but it was you know very good in the first in the in the first half and i've no doubt would have been very good in the second half if
1: if they'd actually run the ball what about the bad, Peter? Besides the fact that we couldn't
0: score in the second half at all, except for the two that they gave us offensively, the three and outs. So the Giants scored twice on methodical, long, methodical drives, which which meant that the Packers defense was out on the field nearly the whole of the second half. And I think following both of those drives, I think the Packers went three and out both times. And one of those three and outs, I'm sure, was was three consecutive passes. And I remember, yes. Yeah. Past- pass on third down was like 50 yards down the field which had no chance of being completed add to that the fact the Packers never ran the ball in the second half never attempted to run the ball in the second half that the from an offense pers- offensive perspective it was non-existent in the second half until the, the final drive when the Packers tried to drive down the field and, and tie the score and then we had the, the third and two and the fourth and two when they throw, threw on both of those downs as well so There isn't very much good to say about the offensive performance in the second half.
1: Plenty of bad, Todd. Let's pile on the bad. What else?
2: I don't even know where to start because nothing really seemed to go well at all. I thought the offensive line just got probably their worst half of football for the entire season. Multiple mistakes. I thought Rodgers didn't play well. He didn't call plays well. I don't even know what that was in the second half. To abandon the run way they did and I think you mentioned in was it the last podcast where you were describing it as vanilla there's no like no diversity to their offensive scheme at all they tried the little cute flip to Christian Watson again that's so telegraphed I mean I think that was for a loss like a three-yard loss I mean you're not fooling anybody on that
1: does he go in motion at any other time besides the t- right. times where he actually gets the jet sweep? You know,
2: it's kind of like the same plays over and over. Go deep down the sideline, you know, or there's no misdirection. There's no um, naked bootlegs or there, there's nothing diverse about the offense whatsoever. It's just the, the same old shit. Runoff tackle or, you know, far the worst performance by the offense this year in any half.
1: I am now firmly in the camp that... Aaron Rodgers calls out of runs and rarely, if ever runs on an RPO. Do we really believe as Packer fans that both Mike McCarthy and Matt LaFleur have abandoned the run like they have? Like, is that a thing for two coaches in a row or is it the quarterback that's placed for the Green Bay Packers who is the consistent through both of those coaches it's the same story. I think it's Rogers. I think that he is the one that audibles out of place. And I think, and I think we talked about this like on the ride home that Matt LaFleur will never call him out for it. No. And I think that's a problem. I think LaFleur is a good guy and I'm not saying that anything negative. It's just that his, it's not his MO to throw guys under the bus and he's not going to throw Aaron Rodgers under the bus. Although I think Aaron should be directly thrown under the fucking bus because he's the reason we're not running the football. He didn't establish that line in the sand from the very
2: beginning of their relationship, and it's only gotten worse. I mean, you don't really see too many relationships between quarterback and head coach like you do with those two. He's kind of the coach and and the quarterback, and Lafleur is just like... His buddy. Making, yeah, his buddy making some suggestions. Well, I think we should do this. I'll throw a red flag or make other decisions on fourth down or whatever. Like that has gotten progressively worse. And especially with him signing a bigger contract just kind of gives him even more leeway to, to do those things. And he's getting away with it.
1: He now has no power on his side, in my opinion, to do something so now when, if he tries to rein Aaron Rodgers back, which he can't, right, because he's the coach and not yeah. the quarterback, so yeah. he can't be out on the field. He can say what he wants into the helmet, but once that helmet, the speaker goes off, it's whatever Aaron Rodgers wants to do. And until he figures out that we need to run the football, and it did seem like Aaron Jones kind of said it out loud, like, hey. Right. We can get that two yards on two plays. Bakhtiari going out of this game was a little bit strange. Remember
2: he was way down on the other end of the bench with his ball cap on? Yes. What was that about? And the offense is like, yeah, ready to score. And you're just like sitting way
0: at the other end of the bench, not even paying attention to the fucking game. What I read today, and I can't remember, apologies, because I cannot remember which, whether it was the press that or but it was one, you know, one, one of those. This was a planned thing because of the long flight. It was a planned thing to alternate Bakhtiari and Nyman during this during this game. They were concerned that the position that you have to sit in or lie in or whatever it is on a flight that like that would not do Bakhtiari's recovery any favors, and so that they decided that alternating them was the right way forward. How about? Not arriving on fucking Friday
1: and considering all those factors beforehand, right? Because if you give him a couple days to stretch himself out, you don't have to worry about that at all. The thing uh-huh. I'll say about that, so we, I've been talking about Yash Nyman moving out to right tackle and replacing Jenkins and moving Jenkins inside. i said that many times. I don't think that they think if he's right, then he should be playing 100% of the game. David Bakhtiari. So I think that the Packers don't believe that he's 100%, and that's why Nyman isn't moving out to right tackle because they're worried that Bakhtiari is going to go down in a game, and they, don't, they can't have Nyman go down in a game too because then they're fucked. Then it's over. Like, then you got yep. nothing. Now you're moving Jenkins to left tackle, and you're playing some fucking clown at right tackle. Yeah. So I don't know. Like Bryce Newman is going out to right tackle, the turnstile. Oh, God. He's going out there. The turnstile. Like, I don't know. I I just, I think that he's not right. And now I understand why Nyman isn't playing right tackle. They need to continue to listen to the average cheese because we don't agree with that. Or at least I don't. But (laughs) anyway, a long flight for fuck's sake. Yeah. Really? Shit, my kids are going to have to go to community college. I keep cussing this much on this show. (laughs) And we talked about the play calling as far as the ugly goes. I do believe, like I said, that Aaron Rodgers is calling them out of plays. But it's both, right?
2: It's Lafleur not standing his ground and performing the duties of a head coach. And you have a runaway quarterback just doing whatever he wants. So it's it's both of them. It's not Aaron Rodgers calling it out. It's Lafleur
1: saying, the fuck you doing? Don't do that. Don't do that again. I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers is the only one to blame because you do have a coach. If you're the quarterback and a four-time MVP and you decide I'm going to do this regardless of how we're doing in a game, then that is on you, the player. Like if you see that this isn't working, this isn't working, and you continue to do it, you're doing it for your own ego then and not for the betterment of the team. That's not leadership. Like you're the fucking quarterback. You have to lead, and you got to lead
0: in a way that's going to win this team a Super Bowl because that's where you're at. I'll ask you both this question. What would late in his career Peyton Manning have done? That's a great question. I don't know. I didn't really follow his career all that much, to be honest.
1: And I didn't enough to have a 100% handle on this, but I'm going to say that Peyton Manning was probably calling his own fucking plays and never even worried about a coach on a sideline. That's fine. But he did run the football at the end when his arm was shit. Now Aaron Rodgers' arm isn't shit. It's not the same thing. And I am going broke today. But Aaron Rodgers has a skill set that Manning didn't have at the end of his career, but Manning was smart enough to figure out that I am not going to win this game by myself with my skills, and then he won a Super Bowl. So I don't know if I answered the question even. I totally forgot what the question was at this point.
0: You answered the question.
1: The other thing in the ugly for me is, what did you call that? The pony backfield when you got both running backs out there? Now, I didn't watch the All-22 or the condensed version because, again, fuck you, NFL+. Plus. Still so again, get it to work. How many times in the game, this game, did they run both backs out of the backfield? I can't remember any. I'm sure there was some, but I don't remember any. Again, I mean, you know, you have it here in the notes. When was the last time
2: you saw a screen pass to Jones, you know, to set something up like that? I can't even remember the last
1: time Jones caught a pass or Dylan. <sighs> again, we are just fans. And we can look at a situation and go: those guys need to play together, and they need to catch the ball out of the backfield. They're your best two pass catchers at this point. Your best players on offense. Another person
2: that is kind of being overlooked and definitely underutilized is Tanyan, right? I mean, he's healthy. He's he's
1: out there. He's out there.
2: You know, right? Four catches. What did he have? 23 yards? Yeah. That's not enough. They need to find a way to get him the ball
1: more, too. Let's move on to the defense. The defense gave up <laughs>
0: 27. So we'll your, just
1: look, look at the quarters good. ready. <laughs> Let's look at the good first.
0: Peter, we'll start with you. Give us some good. Uh, TJ Slayton, on early downs, I've not looked at the statistics, but there's, there's no question that on early downs, the Giants have to got any yards at all. And Slayton was just dominant on the nose. He wouldn't have shown up in the statistics too much. He made the odd tackle here and there. But he absolutely dominated the Giants center, pushed him back into the backfield on multiple occasions, which stymied the Giants running game that we were all worried about coming into the game. So on first and second down, Slayton was just a beast. Now, I'm sure that you know he wore down as the game got on. Heck, the defense was on the field the whole of the second half. But he was a beast, and certainly by a long way, the best game that he's played in a in a packer uniform. And it just seemed like every time the Packers made a play on defence, Slayton was there. He was the one either making the play or forcing the play. So I thought I thought Slayton was excellent. Preston Smith had a, a sack and a tackle for a loss. Wasn't dominant by any stretch of the imagination, but had a solid had a solid game. And beyond those two, some of the others had a number of tackles. I think Quay Walker had eight tackles, I think, but there weren't any other performances I felt on defense to write home about. I'm just going to add on to the TJ Slayton thing. He was
1: dominant early, and he was completely running the center back into the play. Now, he had a 61 PFF grade, but he had a 23 for the tackles part of his pff grade i don't even know what to how to react to that part of things because that's literally not his job now granted he needs to tackle guys when they run right by him right but his job is to disrupt the play and push the center back and make the double teams happen so that linebackers can scrape off and just be able to make tackles with free reign in my opinion this was his best game it wasn't his best pff grade but it should have been like you take the tackles part out of it because in the other games, he didn't miss tackles according to PFF. And I have decided, even though I've said this a million times before that he should now be the nose, unless it's an obvious passing down where I think we could put Kenny Clark back at the nose and then kind of move things around against the run, putting Kenny Clark at an end next to TJ Slayton and Jaron Reed or whoever's going to play the other side. That's T.J. Slayton's job now for me until he plays poorly, and I don't think he will. I think he is getting better every week, and I think you leave him in the starting lineup on rundowns. The bad, and I hate to blame the defense for the bad because the offense had something to do with this, but they could not get a stop. In fact, the one stop they they should have gotten is like third and thirteen. Someone on Twitter referred to it third and thirteen. They give up fourteen yards on third and thirteen. That can that should never happen against a, a team with a defense that is as physically talented as
0: the Green Bay Packers are. Well, other than the fact they couldn't get off the off the field in the second half, I think we go back to. I think it starts for me. It all starts with the corners playing off i think that whether that's a zone scheme or a man scheme and i think they've got the corners playing man but playing off man right i think they're playing zone deep with the two deep safeties and the kind of cover two situation but i think those corners are playing man but they're playing 10 or 12 yards off even if in that play that you described the third and 13 those corners have dropped 10 or 12 yards off before the before the snap now you've got on paper more than on paper two of the most talented corners in the league certainly in, in Jair Alexander you've got an all pro corner and then Eric Stokes yeah it's his second year but with his talent and his strength is his speed you want to match that guy up man to man at the line at the line of scrimmage in my in my view all that's happening with those wide receivers and we're not talking about them facing all pro wide receivers this past week. All that's happening to wide receivers is they're coming across the field and they've got separation before the ball's even snapped. And those guys are five yards open. As soon as, in this instance, you know Daniel Jones was ready to throw throw the football. Those guys are wide, are wide, wide open, because the safeties have dropped deep into cover too. The corners are playing off. Like you guys, I'm just a, I'm just a fan, but it seems to happen so often, week in, week out. Statistics are now showing that the Packers have given up more yards on crossing routes than any other team this season. And it's like, no shit, Sherlock, because that's right. what you're That's, that's what an easy one. That's what you're seeing. You know, you, the, the, the the stats match what the what your eyes are telling you. Now, I understand that if you're playing those corners up, then that changes your defense. You're taking different risks. But eventually, you've got to stop the stuff that's killing you. And that absolutely killed the Pack.
2: It just seems like they the the defensive scheme has just got to change. I mean, it's almost like the same situation as the offense where it's just so predictable. You know, you've seen this ever since Barry arrived. It's just offenses being able to find that crossing pattern, whether that's in between the gap between the defensive line and linebackers and – getting the linebackers away from the line of scrimmage or between the linebackers and DBs. And like Peter said, it's not like you see somebody kind of figure out that they're in the wrong place. There's These receivers are wide open, wide open. And it's the same vulnerability over and over and over. And Barry is just, I I don't know. I think the players – I get the sense that some of the players on the defense are not bought into Barry. I think he's, I think there was, you could see some of the body language from Jair Alexander during the game. It's starting to look like he's starting to lose that unit with the amount of talent that's on that side of the ball. What did we count? Six first round picks.
1: Yeah. Six or seven. It's the majority of your defense.
2: Yeah, what more do you want? Let the guys play and to make some plays. I mean, right. it, it, on the player side of the ball, there are, there are a number of players who are underperforming this year. A number of them. Top of my list is fucking Dean Lowry again. That tub of shit just needs to fucking move on. Worthless. I don't know what his PFF grade was, but he's fucking worthless.
1: Yeah, it's ugly, right? Savage, I-
2: another one. Really underperforming. Both Walker and uh, Devondre Campbell, they had horrible games in this game. Their specialty is supposed to be covering that middle, picking up those, those
1: routes. Right. And they were lost. I mean, Lost. That one that Barkley got away—that that's got to be a, a mental error, right? Like, I don't know. No one is, no one is able should be able to run away from Quay Walker. Not many backs in the league are going to run away from Quay Walker or Devondre Campbell, for that matter. So that has to be a mental error. But this isn't the first time this has happened, right? It happened against Tampa Bay. It's happening again.
2: It can also look like a mental error if they are performing what the defense is being called, right? And then they realize, oh, shit, I got to make f- up for that. I got cha- to run this fucking dude down. That's fair. And they're in that, the wrong scheme. Plan. So there is a lot of that, but there, I feel like there's a lot of players who are just under- underperforming. In this particular game, that this was the worst defensive performance of the year. I didn't see anyone, with the exception of Slayton. No one was making plays.
1: Is there a defensive player over the entirety of the season, the five games that have been played, that is outperforming his physical skills or his physical abilities? No, none. TJ Slayton played well in this game, and he has played well in spots in most games, but you don't see him absolutely dominating, which goes back to what you said. Then there's something wrong with the scheme. If you're not allowing athletes to make plays, and we have made no plays on the defensive side of the ball, minus like the Keyshawn-Nixon punch out, it hasn't happened. That long crossing route, if the guy starts on the left and ends up in the far right corner, is exactly what the Vikings did. That play was identical. Oh, yeah. Darius Slayton or Justin Jefferson – or put any fucking wide receiver in the league or any quarterback in the league. Daniel Jones is terrible. But yeah. all three of us can throw a pass to a guy who is running 10 yards wide open in a soft zone. Like there's not even a guy in front of the face. He doesn't even have to throw it over a guy. No. There's no guy. No. no. It looks just like throw, a high school fucking football game out right there. there. Oh, I just threw that so hard it like one over. Jesus.
0: Yeah. Terrible. You overthrew the swear jar. I overthrew the swear (laughs) jar right there. Even you you can't can't complete a pass into the swear jar.
1: Yeah. And (laughs) I can still complete a pass against the Packers defense.
0: There was
2: next to no pressure on Daniel Jones whatsoever. I think there was one sack in this game.
1: Well, and then Gary had that sack, but there was a holding call on Savage on that play which negated that sack, which might have stopped the drive. I think they other than that, drive. Gary had I mean, he had a shitty game too. And this was a team that give up a lot of sacks prior yep. to
0: Well, and and the other thing that goes along with it with with all of that. So you can get away with a lot of that stuff on defense. If you if you cause the occasional turnover, but the Packers yeah. have got one interception, one interception through five games. You would expect to, over the course of a season, to probably, in this day and age, albeit you don't get the number of interceptions you used to get, you'd know, average somewhere close to one interception a game. Right? The, the Packers have got one through five games. On top of that, they've only had three fumble recoveries. So they're, they're averaging less than one takeaway a game. That just compounds the problem. And they can't get off the field on third down. And I'm repeating myself now, but it's just—it is super de- depressed. Too bad we didn't have Jim
2: Leonard. Would either of you make the change on Barry during the season?
0: I think you have to have somebody in mind if you make if you make that change. Yeah. Is there somebody that you believe is going to do a better job that's available? That's the question. But I think
2: we, we talked about this, too, when we were there. Like, Would they have to go internal?
1: The defensive coordinator just got fired in Carolina. So there's one guy that had a well, job recently who's out of yeah, a job. Not picking up anyone else's trash.
2: <laughs> we already did that with Barry. The excuse was that, oh, he didn't have any talent. Well, he got talent, motherfucker. How much more do
1: you want? I don't think they do because, again, who do you pick up? You let Jerry Gray do it because you think he can do it for a season or something until you go out and find the next hot guy. Maybe you do that. But, no, as much as I would want to do that, I don't see that as being the right move. I think you got to shake things up, though. I think something has to happen because you can't. Be this talented on both sides of the ball and play this bad of football. I think it was Ken Angles that said, "This is a one and four team with a three and two record," and that's super accurate in my mind because they played Tampa Bay with no wide receivers. They should have won this game. I know I said it on to Carl that the Giants are better than I expected, and I'll stand by that. But really, the Packers are much worse than I expected. It's really a case of the Packers being worse than the Giants being better, in my mind. What else? Special teams. <laughs> usually, this is the part where we start cussing. So, special teams is usually a problem. Uh, the good, I mean, it was fine, right? There were no blunders. There was no block punts or block kicks. No missed field goals. Punts were awful. I mean, I don't know if the the TV really reflected that, but they were pretty wobbly and... Low and short. He averaged 41.3 yards, which is much worse than he's been. And there they looked an, like ducks. Yeah.
2: An opportunity for a fumble there
1: that we missed out on. That's the bad, right? Keyshawn yeah. Nixon had an opportunity to fall. And that might have changed the game right there, right? The Packers could recover that fumble. And I think it was close to the 50-yard line. Like it was they would have had a short field just to get a field goal there. And it changes the whole demeanor. And it goes back to what you just said, Peter. Like, if you turn the ball over, it changes the whole dynamics of things. Plus, then the Packers' defense isn't on the field so dang long. They're going back on and off.
2: What about uh Rodgers, Amari, bobbling and dumping, putting another one on the carpet? And then I'm out. they put him right back out there again. I'm like, what are you doing? That's two that he's dropped. And luckily, none of them have been recovered.
0: I don't know what his role is on this team anymore well i mean it's not like he's playing on offense is it it's not like he's no. you know the fifth wide receiver or whatever on offense so for returning kickoffs it doesn't matter because the majority of kickoffs in the nfl aren't returned anyway so I, yeah. i'm not i'm not so bothered about that christian watson can do that or new guy patrick taylor can do that or whoever any of those guys can return kickoffs <laughs> they picked up they picked up a guy that they signed to the practice squad last week who's the corner, I, I forget his name. I apologize for getting it, for getting his name, but it's got a career of returning kickoffs. So I think there's guys that can return kickoffs. Returning punts is more of a, you know, it's a different job. And it's impossible to know who else has been practicing returning punts. Somebody will have been because they would have had to have accounted for the fact that Rodgers could get injured during a game. Cobb has a career of doing that, but you don't want that guy back there. Probably along with Dobbs is your biggest threat of wide receiver. You can't risk the injury there. So I have no idea. You feel like, time to make the change i just i don't understand i guess we don't see it in practice every day we we don't know what they're seeing in practice every day but on the face of it it's time to make a change
1: they won't do this but they could cut Amari rogers tomorrow and i'd be like okay yeah i get it difference there's got to be a guy on the shit heap somewhere whose sole job is to return punts the Packers have shown that they will go out and get they've done that this year. And I don't know if it's because Visace is the new special teams guy. They've got Dallin Levitt, They've got Rudy Ford. They've got Keyshawn Nixon. Like they have gone out and got special teams guy for the sole purpose of playing special teams. OK, go out and get a punt returner. And yes, cut Amari Rogers. I'm done. I, I was so excited about him and I'm done. He couldn't get separation in the preseason against third stringers. That should have been a clear indication that he is never going to be a starting wide receiver in this league. And he's not dynamic enough to run punts back. Let's preview the Jets. They do play a game this week. (laughs) The Jets just beat the piss out of Miami on Sunday. Hung
0: 40 on them. Who are these Jets? Difficult to know. I mean, the Dolphins were banged up. See, Tua didn't play because of his concussions. Teddy Bridgewater played and he was knocked out with a concussion on like the second or third offensive play. So the Dolphins were down to their third string quarterback early in that game. Although that didn't seem to cause the Patriots too many problems against the Packers a couple of weeks ago. So it's difficult to know quite who these Jets are. They're 3-2. and two. They've won their last two games with Zach Wilson back at quarterback. So Joe Flacco started when Wilson was injured. Wilson's back in there hasn't put up great numbers but they've won the last two weeks and when you look at their numbers they're kind of middle of the road you know they're 12th on offense 10th on defense so there's clearly something there with the jets and, and and they're a team that I think most of us would probably have expected to be 1 and 4 rather than 3 and 2 at this stage of the season that kind of record are they as good as their 3 and 2 record who knows But then are the Packers, like you said, are the Packers as good as their three and two record? So this is a game that we would all have had down as a win, a relatively comfortable win, I suspect, coming into the season. Now, I think it's a must-win game for the Pack.
2: Seeing the Jets on the schedule, you would say to yourself, this is an automatic... I don't think any games in the NFL are easy, but this is definitely a very winnable game. But after the performance in London and what's preceded the game in London, the issues on both sides of the football. None of the none of it's been corrected. And then it was just a complete shit show in London. I, I I don't have the most confidence in this game, to be honest. I really don't. I really don't know what's gonna happen in this game. I'm not confident that they're gonna win it. I mean when you think about it, the Jets have everything to win in this game. There know?
1: was someone on the plane that was saying I don't know if it's as true anymore, but that when you play the Packers, that's your Super Bowl. Yeah. But there's something to that, right? You go beat the Packers. You're beating a good team. You will get up for that game because it's the Packers, right? Whereas the Packers, I don't know if they did this against the Giants because they did come out and score 20 in the first half. Did they overlook the Giants? Maybe. Will they overlook the Jets? They could. Because like we just talked about, the Jets have been bad forever. I keep saying this about teams and I keep getting proven wrong, but – Zach Wilson is fine. They're starting running back is Brees Hall. Okay. He's not Nick Chubb. He's not Saquon Barkley. Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. I was a big Corey Davis guy. Is he great? He hasn't been great, but he's a good wide receiver. And shit, if uh, Darius Slayton can beat you for 20-yard passes at a time, Corey Davis sure can. So it goes to what you just said. Like There's no gimmies. This should have been a gimme. And I do agree that this is an absolute must win, not because the Packers are three and two, but because the wheels are starting to fucking fall off of the car. I think that what you said before about body language and guys being pissed off in the locker room with this much talent and this high of expectations, they have to win this game. They have to fix things or it's going to continue going the wrong direction. And that scares
0: me a bit. Anybody on defense, Peter, that uh, that we should look out for? The guy that we remember is Quinn Williams, defensive tackle. I think he leads the, the Jets in in sack from the inside. And we remember him because he was a high draft pick, I don't know now, three, four years ago. And, of course, Sauce Gardner. We'll be good to see Sauce Gardner play. had his first interception as a pro last week against the Dolphins. From all accounts, I've not seen very much of the Jets, but from all accounts he's playing like the shutdown corner that they expected when they drafted him. So it's gonna be a struggle for the Packers receivers to get open. Doesn't help the Packers passing game. I think this is a this is just a an all round struggle of a game unless unless they get some breaks early. Like most NFL games, if you get a turnover early, a couple of bounces of the ball go your way, fumble that goes your way, then any game can get away from you or you can get ahead in any game. Barring those funny bounce of the balls, I think this is a four-quarter battle again. And and that seems to be the MO of this season. Every game, you know, the last three games have been four-quarter battles that could have gone either way. And I think this is another one of those. So the spread is seven. Packers are seven point favorites in this game, which well, and that, that <laughs> doesn't go that, to what you just said. No, and that's going down. It was not; it was nine and a half Sunday night, and it's already at seven. So that that's that spread's going down. I don't, I don't know where that line's going to end up, but I think it's going to end up under that. The over under is forty six, which is going up. surprisingly. yeah, maybe
1: because the Jets just hung forty on Miami. I so should we just do it? Ty? i like to start with you. You're the betting expert of the average cheese because you seem to get these right more than I do. Maybe a bit more. What than is Peter. it again?
2: It's 40. The,
1: the over-under is 46, and the Packers are seven-point favorites.
2: I'm going to go with the
0: under. Packers will not cover the spread. I'm exactly the same. I think... I think it's just going to be under the 46 points. I think the Packers win, but I don't think they cover. I think the Packers win by about three.
1: I think the Packers are going to write the ship this weekend. And I think they're going to win by 20. And I think they will go over as well. I think that this is going to be that we need to write the ship. I think the Packers win 34-14. I think they go over and I think they go and they cover the spread easily. I don't know why because I cussed about 8 million times in this show and I clearly wasn't happy with last week's performance. But I think that at some point, teams have to put a line in the sand and go, that's enough. They have to know as a squad, without coaches saying anything to them, that they are far too talented to be playing games at this level. All right. So thanks for listening to Episode 98 of the Average Cheese Podcast, the Gabe Wilkins episode. Go pack go. Go Pat, go. Go, Pat, go.